0: Our spirits by thine advent here disperse the gloomy clouds of night and a star shall. in one the hearts of all mankind bid envy strife and call
1: Why don't you stand with us? We're going to begin by
2: worshiping today.
3: today we just want to say welcome to all shores for our christmas eve service we are so thankful that you went out of your way to brave the elements today to just come and share in the holy spirit's presence with us and so we say thank you for being here and we just believe that the holy spirit is going to do a real work in this place and in through each and every one of your lives And that is our prayer as we go into the rest of this service today. And so in that spirit, can we just go to the Lord in prayer before we do anything else today? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for all that you do for us, your people. We just pray that you can enter into this place, God, that you can make a way so that we can see you in new and real and relevant ways here in this place. Help your Holy Spirit to be present in our lives, God, and I pray for every person here that they can just feel a personal touch from you in this place so that when they leave, they can just be filled with the joy that the Christmas season brings, God. We thank you for the promises that you give to us, God, and we just pray that you go before this service today. We love you, and it's in your son's name we all pray. Amen. Amen, let's sing.
1: or demons.
2: Our heart
0: one more time, Jesus we
1: with you today and on this day when we celebrate Christ coming to dwell among us as, as man. <laughs> and he didn't come with, with a crown on his head and a scepter in his hands. He came as a, a baby, super vulnerable, super helpless at the beginning of his life. And, but he did that for each and every one of us. And I'm just grateful that we get to spend time here today to celebrate this, that Christ came to free all of us from this weight of sin. From the curse of death, he came to give us new freedom and new life. We have a wonderful service planned for you today. So we've got a message and we've got some more worship and, and really our heart is that you would just discover, maybe in a new way, God's love for you. And so with that being said, we're, we're going to continue moving on with things, but I want to invite you to find your seat and turn your eyes to the screen. One
4: December night. Over 2,000 years ago, a shining star illuminated a gathering of kings, shepherds, angels, and animals round a baby in a stable. Twas the nativity, and it marked the end of a journey that began on a donkey's back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It... Hold up there, Jeeves.
2: Yeah.
5: I beg your pardon. Your nativity. That's not exactly how it happened. Here look, let's start with that donkey. Neither of the gospel stories mentions Mary traveling by donkey. And given the 60 miles of rough terrain they traveled, it's more likely they used a wagon. (laughs) Minor details.
4: But then the innkeeper informs Uh, them there's no room Again,
5: the Bible doesn't actually mention an innkeeper. And in the Greek, the word inn refers to an upper room in a
4: house, not an actual motel. Oh, blast. Look, wherever it was, there was no room. So, Mary and Joseph were sent to the stable. Uh, No stable. Not in the Bible, either. Now you're catching on.
5: And in those days, most animals were typically kept in a cave. A cave? Yuppers. So, it could have been that instead of a stable the
4: Bible doesn't really say. And the Star of Bethlehem... Duh, that's biblical. Well, we're actually right for once. It's a Christmas miracle. Okay, so now came the shepherds and the three kings. No kings. Three kings is from the song.
5: The Bible says magi, which means wise men. Three wise men? That works. Well, not so fast. While the Bible does mention three gifts, it doesn't
4: specify the number of wise men that brought them. You mean there could have been more? Oh yeah, a whole posse even. With a crowd like that, it's a miracle the baby Jesus never
5: cried. What, no crying he makes? That's just a lyric from a way in a manger, not actual scripture.
4: <laughs> well, of <laughs> course he was crying. You just added a whole crowd of strange men.
5: Eh, yes and no. There may have been many wise men, but they weren't there that night. You see...
4: Okay, that's enough. Except for the blooming Star of Bethlehem, you've just dismantled the most inspiring image of Christian tradition. So what's your point?
5: Point? Well, I guess it's this. Even when all of the man-made traditions are stripped away, the eternal truths still remain. Whether they traveled by donkey or wagon, God brought them safely to the birthplace that was prophesied. Whether born in a stable or cave, God provided shelter in a strange new land. Whether there were three kings, three wise men, or many, God called the elect to bear witness and testimony to the birth of Emmanuel so whether your manger looks like this or like this the one thing that remains unchanged is this a baby boy born of a virgin this day in the city of David a savior which is Christ the Lord
4: bless you sir I'll never look at the miracle of December 25th the same way again. December 25th? Oh, I
5: almost forgot. Stop that.
4: Music!
6: Well, I want to welcome those joining us online, all of you here at our Spring Lake campus, uh, and so thrilled that many of you could come out and be with us tonight in the midst of chaos and turmoil, which is just a typical Michigan night, isn't it? I love the mixture of things I heard coming in. Like, oh, we're so glad we're here. Some people are like, you know, why wouldn't people come? Other people are like, I can't believe I barely made it. So I know there's a cross section. But I want to pray for us before we open the scriptures and get a few minutes, hopefully to be helpful to you wherever you are in this journey of faith. Whether you're here with doubts, whether you're here disheartened, whether you're here on a journey of discovery and growth in Christ, or whether somewhere in the midst of all of that. I believe God wants to speak to us. So let me pray, and then we'll spend a little time together looking at the beauty of the coming of Jesus. Lord, I I ask very simply that you'd speak today. I confess to you, I don't have the information or the persuasion abilities of anything to change or give revelation, but you do. So I ask you, God, to reveal Jesus to us tonight. I pray for those who are here out of tradition or even out of accommodation that somehow you'd meet with them, even if they weren't looking. I pray for those of us who came in a sense of just familiarity, that you'd surprise us and reveal things we don't know and understand. I pray for all of us, Lord, that somehow we would see the greatness of your love, your presence, and the hope you bring through your very life. Lord, I join with the psalmist now praying the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said, amen. Well, I don't know if it's uh, just because uh, my kids are around right now, and I have grandkids around right now, but it's taking me back to when my own kids were little, and I don't know if you remember the seasons of playing hide-and-go-seek. Do any of you guys remember that, hide-and-seek? When you're a parent and you play hide-and-seek, it's a little different game. Uh, First of all, what happens are sometimes you hide and you fall asleep because you're so tired. Other times... uh, You have different experiences where you can forget people are hiding. I know you're all better parents than that, but I wasn't. But one of my favorite experiences with hide and seek is watching kids hide. This should be familiar to you. Have you seen this when we are at that age where kids hide and they think, because I can't see you, you can't see me. And I actually want you to consider this image as we look at the story of Jesus' birth. Because here's my, I want you to think of it kind of in different ways of hide and seek In that there's parts of us that we hide. We hide from God. We don't want God to see who we are. We kind of want to push that back. We want to think differently. And so there's parts maybe we don't want exposed or revealed. And I hope tonight God meets us in them and shows just how much he loves us. There's other ways in hiddenness that we can look at a passage or a story and think it's obvious we've seen everything. And my hope for you tonight is maybe you'll discover some things you didn't consider before. Because one of the beauties of who God is is even though we have the stories of Scripture and what happened in history, I think there's always learning more. So my hope is you'll learn some things. I also want you to get the picture tonight that I believe God seeks to find us. Like a parent, you know how fun it is to find your kids when they're hiding? It is a joy. That there's a joy God wants you to be found. And then I think for some of us too that maybe we're hiding because of, What's happened, And it's not even our own struggles, but maybe we've been betrayed by people or questioned who God really is from the activities of others. And we think in a sense, I don't want to see him. And I'm going, I hope God meets us in that and shows just how confused we are and wrong about that too. So I want to give you a little background. We're going to be in one of the four accounts of Jesus' birth. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that tell of Jesus' life death, and resurrection. In Matthew's account, as in each one of them, they're not not really changing the story. What they're doing is they're drawing certain things out of the story that help paint a picture they want to paint. And so I want to take you to a little bit of the picture Matthew paints, and we're going to look very particularly at something that happens after Jesus' birth that I think there's beauty to be found in it. So in Matthew's account, it tells us in the second chapter that basically Jesus is already born, and Herod, and it says all of Jerusalem, are basically really troubled to find this out. In other words, something's not right. Those in power don't like it, and those even in the Jewish culture and life don't like it. We'll come back to that in a minute, but these two groups don't. So now these outsiders show up in town. This is well after the birth, and they're magi. That's all it says is they're magi. You heard in the video, sometimes we call them three kings. We don't know that they're kings. We know they're magi. We know they're outsiders. They weren't part of the Jewish faith. They weren't part of anything that we would connect to, But they were searching. And by the way, this is a side note, but it's a powerful note in Matthews and even the other accounts. Oftentimes, those who are most religious miss Jesus, and those who are most outside find him. And I think it's because we tend to look sometimes in our traditions and ways we see faith only at certain things, and we miss who he really is. It's just powerful that that's what happens. And in fact, I will tell you that Herod and this group of religious leaders, they point the Magi to where to go as they meet together, but they're concerned. Herod tells them, when you find the baby, basically let me know, I want to worship him too. That's why they're going is to worship him. But it's a lie. He really wants to go and stop this from happening because, quite honestly, it threatens his future. And that's true in all of Israel this way. That's true in Jerusalem. It tells us that the whole area is troubled because In those in power and those even in religious power have a bit moved away from who God really is and wanted to protect that. And Jesus threatened it. So I just want you to have that picture. And maybe even for those of you who've been so disheartened by things, when the church does that, we're in the same posture. We can miss it. Now, with that said, we're going to take it up there in the story. So after these magi come and they leave, basically, they leave another way because, crazily, God gives them a dream even though... They're not close to him. It's a dream of how they should not go back to Herod because they know, God knows Herod's basically just wanting to get to Jesus to take him out. So they leave, and then we take it up with Joseph from there, verse 14. So he got up, Joseph. He had just had a dream where God had warned him the very same thing. Joseph, Herod wants to take, you, take Jesus out. You go to Egypt, that's what he tells him. This is what he'll, he'll give us the picture. So he takes the child, he takes Jesus and his mother, Mary, during the night, and they left for Egypt, where he stayed there until the death of Herod and was filled with what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Now this is where I hope we might see some hidden things that even those of us who have been around the church might miss, because ultimately what happens is Jesus and the families in Egypt, once Herod dies, they come back to Israel, and it's like, okay, so he's safe and they brought him back, but there's a much bigger story that's being told here than that. In fact, this statement, out of Egypt I've called my son, is from a prophecy. It's a prophecy that happened, and there's three of them that Matthew's going to string together in all this purpose. It's a prophet named Hosea that is from centuries before in the midst of all this crud that's going on with Israel, and it tells us that out of Egypt my son will come. Then he goes on to tell us other things, though. It tells us very simply that there was a mess going on in Israel. They had so dismissed and not lived with God, it even says they would rather stay in the mess of Egypt than be freed. They were in their own mess for their own reasons. They end up in exile all the way. And yet God says, I'm bringing my son out of Egypt. Now, I want us to get just a couple pictures because this is profound for what we see that Matthew's telling us. What I think we can understand today and even further I think what God might say to us. You see, what he says in this prophecy of his son bringing them out of Egypt is that they'd gotten lost in their own power, and their own ways. They'd forgotten the poor. They'd forgotten the oppressed. They'd forgotten God. Really, they wanted to worship other gods, and it led to their destruction. And yet, God sends his son out of Egypt. The simple thing is, Matthew's wanting us to see, listen, Moses freed the Israelites from slavery out of Egypt The Messiah is now coming. That's the message we're to get. Out of Egypt was for a very important reason, and we'll come back to it, but I want you to understand, Jesus is supposed to be entering the place of exile, the place of loneliness, the place of isolation, the place of brokenness. It's an image for us that Jesus didn't just come to free us, he comes to enter it. And if you don't realize what that means, it means God sees us in every hidden part of us individually and collectively and cares and loves us and wants to free us. That's amazing in case you don't know. And and I want to make it clear too, some of us are high achievers and we kind of think, well, I'm doing well on my own. I want to be really clear. The older I get, the more confident I am of this. People that have more and do more are not actually more at peace. Oftentimes they're more distraught because you can never do enough or be enough. All you have to look to is the most successful people we know and are they happy, are they healthy, are they living well? No, because everybody has their own Egypt. Everybody has their own exile. And the whole point Matthew's making is Jesus actually goes to where we are in exile to bring us out. Come on, that's awesome, isn't it? And that's only the beginning. Now, Matthew's also very honest in the midst of telling us this, because then he goes back and tells about what Herod did. You see, Herod ended up wanting to take Jesus out so much that he finds out how old he would have been And he basically goes and takes out all the boys that age and ends their lives all through Jerusalem, horribly and tragically. And now Matthew cites that sadness. He goes back to a prophecy. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. He's just told us about what Herod did. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because... They are no more. It is both a literal thing that happens in a picture from Jeremiah 31 of what's been happening for generations in Israel and in the world. When Israel disobeyed God, when they continued to live their own way, and they continued to worship other gods and very clearly forgot all those forsaken, they ended up in exile. It tells us the 10 tribes the higher ones in Israel, the higher part of them, were all taken away. And slowly they lost their identities. They lost who they were. And basically what it tells us is their kids were no more, meaning all those generations got watered down and forgotten. It would be like this, a mother bearing a child and having fruit that never is realized. In other words, their hopes and dreams were shattered one generation after another after another. And this sad torment of these little kids that they go through, even in that moment, is a picture of the lifeless, hopeless things that go on in all of the world around us in many of our circumstances. That's what Matthew's drawing our attention to. Not only did Jesus come out of Egypt, he came out, and this is another prophecy, by the way, this one in Jeremiah 31. And what I love about the prophecy is in the midst of all this hopelessness and even citing this weeping that's not consoled, the prophet responds, oh, no, be consoled, Rachel, because... God has not forgotten you. And he equates God both as mother and father in this text. And basically he says a parent would never disown their own kids. You have to remember, Israel's been disobeying like crazy for centuries. And what the prophet's saying is God still loves you as a parent. And in all of the things you've chosen to stay in. He even cites that many of them would rather live in the mess they're in than be free of it. God is not going to forget you. And so this prophecy is all about having hope when it seems hopeless, having legacy when it seems lifeless, having a future when you thought there was none. Come on, is that not amazing? And tell me, that couldn't be hidden. We couldn't have missed that because all we hear is the tragedy, but we don't go back to where it's from. That's the second piece of this. So that's what Matthew's trying to draw our attention to. And then he takes us to the final piece. The final piece is after Herod does die, Joseph gets another dream and they're told to go back to Israel. Now, when they're going to go, some things happen that make him a little uncomfortable because although Herod died, his son is just as bad. And now he's freaking out, what am I to do? And this is where Matthew gives us the final piece. Having been warned in a dream, he was warned, Joseph was, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. He went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said to the prophets. He would be called a Nazarene. Now, again, we tend to think geography, don't we? Like, where's Nazareth? What's what's the problem with that? It's not what it means in this passage. Nazir, the Hebrew word that this derives from, is the word for shoot or root. It's something that grows. That has a very clear prophecy. In Isaiah, we're told that Jesse, one of his sons, which will be David, and then ultimately Jesus is who this is pointing to, will be like a life that comes out of a dry place with a tender root. In other words, life will come out where there is no life. Come on, isn't that amazing? I know it's cold and it's wintry, but it's amazing, okay? I'll give it amazing enough for all of us. So these are the three pictures we get. Jesus comes out of Egypt. That means God meets us in our isolation, our brokenness, all that that means. In the midst of the places we feel hopeless and helpless and no future, Jesus says, no, no, like a parent, I will never leave you. In fact, I'm coming to bring a future where there was one, a hope where there was none, a new way of life where you thought never could change. And then the final picture is the exclamation, a tender root will grow up. God will bring life where there is no life. That is a powerful message, isn't it? And I want to give us a picture, hopefully to help you, wherever you are, that maybe... God would invite you to respond. So I want you to picture it this way. Picture that I have a plate, and we kind of make up this plate, and I throw it to the ground, and what does it do? It shatters, right? And so there's pieces of brokenness all over. And then I want you to picture that what Jesus, what Matthew is describing of Jesus by going to Egypt is the brokenness in our own lives. And brokenness is multifaceted. Brokenness we always describe in the church as sin, meaning the things you and I do, that are selfish, that are for ourselves, that are hostile, that are basically all the painful things we do to bring destruction in life to our own and to others. Those things hidden, those things we actually talk about, our thoughts, our actions, our intentions, our words. That's sin. That's the mess we bring of our own brokenness. That's part of the picture. There's also the brokenness done to us because let's be honest, if I'm a piece of brokenness, what do you think you are? You're a piece too. Two broken pieces, in fact, the brokenness in me impacts the brokenness of you. Doesn't that bring destruction in your life too and in mine? And then we take enough brokenness, we just call it a mess, don't we? We're messy. That means the things around the world in us are broken and messy. There's sin and brokenness and destruction that we all bring to each other. And there's one more level Scripture's really clear about, which is the brokenness collectively or communally we bring. For Israel, much of God's judgment was over their brokenness as a nation. They had become looking out for themselves, oppressive, power-driven, fractured, self-promoting, self-protecting, and destroying as long as it built them up. That's communal brokenness. All of those are being smashed in life and are what we bring. You get the picture. I just want us to get the picture. Now we have to look in our own lives, but I also want you to get a picture of what Matthew's telling us of Jesus. And I want to use an image to help you with this. If you think of your own brokenness... There's this beautiful art called kintsugi. It's a Japanese art process. And what happens is you take pottery that's broken and then you put to it gold as a filament. You take gold, it can be other items too, and you fill around each broken piece and you put it back together with the gold bonding it and holding it. In fact, this is a piece of kintsugi art. I want you to see it. This is a pottery piece put back together after it's broken. You see the gold running through it? What I want you to get is the picture of this because the gold, you can think of it this way, the gold is Jesus going to our Egypt, not just forgiving us, but bringing life in us out of it, bringing hope out of it, bringing a future out of it, doing something wonderful that life comes out of brokenness. And make no mistake, the brokenness is there, but it's transformed through the work of what the artist does, isn't it? And I want you to get a picture today that Jesus was born Not only to forgive sin, though that is at the center and beginning, but also to free us, to bring life and hope, and to free us from our own brokenness, to free us from the brokenness others bring to us and we bring to them, to free us from the communal and collective brokenness that we live in, because Jesus came to bring life where there's death, to bring hope where there's hopelessness, to meet us in isolation and the mess of our own sin, to free us and redeem us. Come on, that's amazing, isn't it? And what a picture Matthew gives through a few statements that we're prone to go right past. So with that, I'm simply going to ask you to close your eyes. I want us to pray together, and I'm really going to ask the Lord to lead you, and I'm going to offer some different ways maybe he might be speaking. It may be something beyond what I'm saying, but things at least as I've pondered might be true for some of us here. So let me pray first. Lord, I ask you to meet us. I ask you to waken us in places that are hidden in us or places we don't think you seek us or you seek us to destroy us that we've missed. Show us who you are and show us who we are. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray for anyone who feels broken in their own sin and their own mess, that they hide and they keep it from others, that they keep working to try to make it better, that they think if they just do enough or there's no way they could do enough, there's no way anyone would meet them. Lord, would you meet them in their Egypt, in their brokenness and isolation, even tonight. And if that's you today, one of the things I didn't share, all three of these prophecies, the only thing Israel is asked to do is repent. In other words, they're asked to turn, and make no mistake, they want to stay in what they're in. We all can want to stay because it's familiar. I'm asking you just to ask the Lord to help you turn and repent. And if you've never been a follower of Jesus, all that follows is saying, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be the gold that fills and changes my life. And may you receive that. And then I want anyone here who would go, boy, I bought this thing when I was a kid, but I don't even know what I think today, or a couple years ago I was active, now I'm not, or it was six months. I don't even know where you kind of feel like you've lost your way a bit. And maybe tonight the Lord's inviting you to come out. Come out fresh. Re-engage and rediscover. And I just want you to pray, Lord, would you help me to recommit, to renew, to rediscover who you are? And then I think there are some of us here who've been disheartened with Jesus because they've been disheartened with Christians around them, and they're hiding from God. Some of you are. I go, the Lord wants to tell you that what you see is not Him. And He wants you to see him. He wants you to know His love in the midst of any of us who failed you. Maybe tonight you're just praying, Lord, would you help me to trust you even when I've been mistrusting of others and it's been my reason to hide. And then I think for hopefully most of us who follow Jesus, the beauty of this is it's not a story we just receive, it's a story we go to Egypt for other people. We go to their Egypt, we meet them in their life, we meet them in their circumstance at work at home, in the neighborhood, in the community. Maybe the Lord's calling you to say, I will commit to reaching out to others in their isolation and brokenness, individually and communally. Maybe that's your response tonight. And Lord, then finally, I pray for anybody who's just not sure and they're not ready. Would you help them to keep moving, keep listening, keep engaging? Whether it's here or somewhere else, we help them invite their life, other Christians that can be part of it with us. And Lord, I pray for whatever you want to do, you'll continue to do it in every individual amongst us now. Here, online, that we'll watch later. I pray this in your name. Amen. We carry out what's called a sacrament, a sacred activity, every time we come together, which is communion. And uh, we don't have stipulations. You have to be a member here. Hopefully most of you, if not all of you, grabbed the cups when you came in. I just want to tell you, if you're pursuing Jesus, we want you to feel welcome to participate. We're not trying to keep you from it. We don't want you to feel obligation if you're not at that place or in responding. I'll tell you this about the cups. You'll take the top layer off and there's a little bread, a little wafer. You'll take the second one and that's a drink. It's, it's the bread and the cup. That's how communion goes. I'll explain it to us. Then those of you who are here with kids, if you don't feel they're ready, this isn't something they all have to do. It's just more when you think they are. And that's a great thing for you to consider as parents in general. Let me just remind you of what this bread and this cup mean because it's a way we anchor into the very message we've heard tonight. Jesus comes to our Egypt. He brings us out. Jesus brings hope where there's hopelessness and life where there's none and new life comes out of it. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke, it, and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body and it's given for you. It is a beautiful picture and a reality that Jesus gives of his very life to be the gold that heals our very brokenness And makes new life and art out of it. Let's take of the bread. In the same way, Jesus took the cup. He says a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. And we're supposed to remember when we drink of it. Before you drink of it, though, there's a beautiful tradition that goes around the drinking of the cup. Which is just that when you share a cup, you share a destiny. So when Jesus drinks of the cup, and we do together, we're all saying we're his. But there's also a call of the church, which is, we're to then think of who it is in our life when we go out from drinking the cup that God wants us to be his presence too. In other words, the cup reminds us that we go to the others' life in Egypt and other struggles in our neighborhoods, in our jobs, in our schools, in our communities, in our friendships, in the places we go to frequent all over. And we bring who he is and his love and his compassion and his hope to people who have none. Let's take of the cup. And Lord, even as we ask that you'd meet us in the beauty of the scripture and the beauty of what Jesus has done, I pray you would meet us in this sacred activity. There'd be grace poured out and life poured out and hope poured out and vision poured out, God, to bring it to others. I pray this in your name. Amen.
7: Well, we want to continue to celebrate tonight and we want to connect with you as well if you look in front of you in the in the seat pocket in front of you we have a a simple connection card it's really a response card and you know if during a peace message that god has prompted you to respond in any way we want you to fill this out there's a place simply to put your name and a little information you know you might have made an important faith decision tonight and we just want to know and kind of help you grow in that so maybe you decided to follow jesus for the first time or recommit your life to him Or maybe you're feeling the tug of the Holy Spirit to take the step in baptism, and we want to follow up with you and connect. But we really believe there's a place for all of us to respond, and we'd really like you all to respond however you feel led tonight. But there's a place in there where it simply says that I'm committed to following God's lead to really meet other people in their brokenness, in their Egypt, and really bring his presence and his love to them this year, simply as God leads you. You know, I think that's something that, that we can all do, that we can continue to bring God's hope and love to those around us. So throughout the evening, you can fill that card out tonight. We'd love to collect those on your way out tonight. And as you drop those in the, in the baskets on the way out, we also have just a little gift for you. It's a little piece of pottery and a card reminding you of the message. It's a piece of the, me- the pottery just to remind you of how God meets us in our brokenness, how he wants to bring hope and restoration in our lives, and we are so grateful for that. So make sure you grab that on the way out as well one of the other ways that we respond to God and his generosity is being generous ourselves. You know, we have had this tradition here at All Shores over the last 12 years where we receive an offering on Christmas Eve that we simply give away 100% of that. Over the last 12 years, because of your generosity, we have given over a million dollars. And we give that in three areas. We give it globally. And this year, we're giving uh, to spe- kids with special needs with some of our partners throughout the world. This is a-, a population that is always left out and vulnerable, and we will help meet those needs. Uh, regionally, we're going to help a couple of churches, a couple of urban churches who are really doing some great programs with kids at risk, but they need funding to really help fund those programs, and we're going to help with that. And then locally, we just simply help with needs in our community, and in our church, and we can only do that because of your generosity. So if you came prepared to give to that tonight, I just invite you just to, to pray how you might be part of that as we just give all of that away. There are offering boxes on your way out that you can give to, and there's a ways behind the screen, I mean, that you can give online, so we'd love to have you do that. know, you might just want to pray and just ask God how you would respond tonight as we hear this special rendition of Silent Light. Thank you. Each week this month, this season that we call Advent, we lit a different candle. We're reminded of the the love we have in Christ, the hope that we have, the joy that He brings, and the peace that is available through His presence. And tonight we light the center candle, which we call the Christ candle. And we're reminded tonight, through Scripture, uh, that Christ is the light of the world, that He brings light to our darkness. He brings light to our Egypt. He meets us in our Egypt. He brings hope to our brokenness, and he brings forgiveness and love that we accept. You know, when you came in tonight, uh, you should have received a candle. And why don't you go ahead and stand with me now? And on the bottom, there's a little switch, and you can light that candle. And we're reminded not only does God bring light to us, but we are also light bearers, that we are to bring that life and the, his hope to others around us. So let's just do that and reflect on that as we sing tonight.
1: Good to worship with you and just to celebrate Christ coming to dwell among us. And I don't know about you, but it's just meaningful to see all of the light in the room and just be reminded that that Christ comes to bring his light to each of us. And so we just want to finish this night really putting an exclamation part point on what, what we've remembered and what we are celebrating here together. And also the invitation that Christ has for each of us as we walk out of this place, that he wants us to be that light To a world in need of Jesus. And so, that being said, we want to finish with one song and just celebrating the joy that Jesus Christ brings to this world, the joy that he brings to each of us, and the joy that we get to celebrate together. Let's sing this song together.
8: Joy to the world.
7: Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here. I want to give you a couple quick announcements uh, before I give you a blessing for tonight. And first, is we have a great service that is available for you for tomorrow morning for Christmas that is available on demand on our website. So go to allshores.org or allshores.org slash Christmas. There is a, a short service there, so you can watch that with your family and your pajamas with your cup of coffee. You don't have to get back in your car and enjoy that service uh, tomorrow morning. And then uh, next week when we come back, it'll be the new year. We're having a service that we do just a couple times a year we call our United service. So we'll be, all of our campuses will meet right here at one time at 10 o'clock. So next Sunday. The, the 1st of January, 10 o'clock right here, one service, we'll all be together to kick off the new year together. And the next week, we'll be getting a great new series. We want you to come to that and invite new people. But we'll also be having a great event that day after both of our services. If you're new to All Shores, maybe in the, even in the last six months, you want to be know more about uh, our mission, our vision, we'll have a short, uh, ser- a short event right after... The server, both services in the West Room over here. It'll be about a half hour. You'll hear from Pete, from some of the other pastors and just hear more about what it is uh, to be at All Shores and to kind of take steps in your faith that way. We would love to have you be a part of that as well. Make sure you grab your connection card. Take that on the way out. Make sure you grab your piece of pottery. I think this is going to be important for us this coming year. Man, I'm going to put this on my desk and just be reminded on those tough days that God meets me in my own brokenness, that he wants to come and bring his love and his presence, and that he wants us to be people that bring his love and presence to those around us, that we can all do that. So make sure that you grab that, put that as a place that you will see that as a daily reminder. Now, family, I'd love for you to hold out your hands and receive a blessing today. Oh, may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, may he continually fill you with his spirit May become increasingly aware of his love and his presence, his power to meet us in our brokenness and restore us. And that would increasingly we would become people who bring his love and his presence to those around us. For his glory, your joy, and our hope. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for being here, and Merry Christmas.